scratch and smooth. It's World AIDS Day and in 2015 more people than ever are living with HIV in the UK alone, around 100,000 people to be precise, with a worldwide estimation of 36.9 million. HIV and AIDS can still be a death sentence in some undeveloped countries, although combination drug therapies that allow for a potentially normal lifespan are more widely available. So on World AIDS Day we ask, is it possible to be HIV unhappy? Well, Paul Thorne thinks so, and he's even written a book about it. You're listening to SNS Online. So, Paul, talk us through the journey you went on from being newly diagnosed as HIV in 1988 to 2015 and HIV happy. Wow, that's a long journey. <laughs> <laughs> OK, well, um, I was probably infected by one of the first people that I had sex with. And I went for an HIV test back in, well, 1988. But it took me over a year and a half to go and get the result. Right. And uh, I was a student nurse at the time. Mm -hmm. And uh, there was a lot of talk about duty and uh, responsibility to know. Uh, the responsibility was put firmly on the shoulders of, of, of the healthcare practitioners. So um, I went to have the test, but um, I took a long time to go and get the result and the thing that really spurred me on to do it was I had a friend who was very sick he was dying and I saw his courage and uh, that kind of was the final straw that forced me to go and find out um, I got the results and it was positive and uh, that was the end of my nursing career so why did why did your nursing career have to finish well things have changed now um, but back then, um, being HIV positive and a healthcare worker wasn't a good thing. I was actually, my timing's always been impeccable. I was diagnosed <laughs> on the day that uh, Florida dentist David Acker died. And he was a dentist you may or may not remember. Mm. Your listeners may remember that infected uh, five of his patients. So oh. this was on exactly the same, <laughs> exactly the same day. So... <laughs> The newspapers were kind of uh, full of news of this, and uh, there was an issue about whether somebody who was actually still studying to be a nurse was actually professionally competent or not because they hadn't qualified. Mm. There was also some issues about what actually constituted an invasive procedure, and they hadn't really defined at that point what an invasive procedure was, and, you know, invasive could be a bed bath. You know, right. but they did in later years, you know, define it as, you know, when hands are fully visible and in contact with sharp instruments. Of course, now there is no issue with HIV positive healthcare workers, uh, so long as they're uh, on medication and undetectable continuing um, in practice. But things back then were very, very different. Mm. So I kind of went into a bit of a spiral and spent about two years on a mattress on a bedsit floor right. and uh, kind of really just waiting to die yeah um and then i guess anger spurred me on i i spoke to a nursing uh, journal about my experience and i realized how powerful the media was and i thought okay this is something that i need to learn about and something i could use sure and i went on to write my first book 
which was called uh, Positive Carers. It was about the rights and responsibilities of HIV-infected healthcare workers. Fantastic. Kind of really started around a writing career. Mm. So, so this has taken you off into a tangent that might never happen if you, you know, obviously in terms of looking at the glass half full. Yeah, none of this would have happened otherwise. I mean, from then on, I went on to, uh, I, dev- I, I contracted uh, multi-drug resistant tuberculosis whilst uh, a patient in a hospital and uh, on an HIV unit of all things, which uh, had a very, very bad prognosis. Uh, seven people died in the outbreak. I spent three months in negative pressure isolation. Um, wasn't expected to survive, but again, came out of that. And a bit like the first book, I took a bad situation and tried to turn it into something good. And so mm. I went on to write my second book, which was about uh, what's called Tuberculosis Survival Handbook, the clues in the title. And that basically led me on to working with a lot of international NGOs um, and advocacy and communication consultants, specifically on HIV and TB co-infections. Mm. Travelled the world on the back of that. I've been everywhere. Fantastic. <laughs> And, and and you've also written for Gay Times. You you were you're writing a column for them, which, which led to your latest book as well. That's right. Yeah, um, I wrote a column for GT Magazine, Gay Times, for over ten years, and I changed the style of my writing at uh, the beginning of 2014. I kind of thought, look, things have changed, particularly with antiretrovirals, which came about in the late 1990s. Sure. I thought we have to keep up as writers. You know, we can't keep writing in the same way as we had done for many years and not not keeping up with the pace of change and so i started writing in a much more positive way about living with the virus and uh, unfortunately they axed the column in autumn last year Mm, yeah i was very disappointed but two weeks later i got nominated as stonewall journalist of the year so uh, which i've read which is fantastic and congratulations (laughs) on that yes thank you thank Mm. you uh, you can make your own mind up about that, whether people thought the column was any good or not. I'm but sure they did. <laughs> that is what spurred me on to write my book, uh, HIV Happy, which came out last July. So essentially, um, HIV Happy is is a self-help book to be happy in yeah. the skin you're in as an HIV-positive person. But it, but it also seems to me, having just read the book, that it could work uh, as a power of positive thinking for everybody, regardless of their status uh, or gay or straight. A lot of people have said this, and I'm really very complimented. I feel very complimented by that fact that Mm. people have said, look, this could apply to anybody. It was just what I'd learned along the way of being HIV positive nearly 28 years and trying to keep things very, very simple and living very, very simply and really focusing on myself, not to the point of selfishness, but um, taking care of myself, looking after myself, keeping things simple, not being a victim, mm. making choices, realising that I had choices about my future. Yes, and, you, and you, you talk about the five pillars of being HIV happy. Mm. There's health and self, relationships, home, work and finances. Uh, many of these things that uh, I think uh, can resonate to so many different people. I mean, just for one about keeping your, your home tidy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had a wry smile about that one and did my partner as well. Uh, talk us through those and how they can help, um, obviously, everybody, but particularly people who are dealing with HIV as well. Well, health and self is the most important category. And as I say in the book, it's a very forgiving category. Obviously, your health comes first. That's about taking your medication. By self, I mean self-esteem, you know, taking care of your appearance, very, very simple kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, 
in terms of home, it's important that I, you know, I mean, if you looked around in the room that I'm sitting in right now, mm. it's a bit messy. <laughs> kind of typical writer's room. There's piles of paper everywhere, but I do try keep things pared down to a bare minimum. I yeah. try not to accumulate uh, rubbish or clutter. Relationships. The most important relationship I can ca- can have is with myself. Yeah. And for many years, I thought. I couldn't be complete unless I had a partner in my life. I've learned actually to be very happy and single. Mm. Uh, should somebody come along in the future, then great, but they're going to have to be right because uh, <laughs> I've got it good here and uh, you know I'm not going to give that up. I'm not, not desperate to meet anybody anymore. <laughs> there was a time when you know, I thought I couldn't be complete without somebody mm. and uh, I don't feel like that anymore. Mm. In terms of finances... I had an awful lot of debt to pay off. That was kind of carnage of years of uh, drinking and doing other naughty things that I probably shouldn't have been doing. And, you know, and I still to this day, I'm, I'm still paying that off. But mm. it's about taking responsibility for those things. Yeah. Work, you know, I've always worked. I, you know, I think it is very, very important, not only to your mental and emotional well-being, but also your physical health, getting up, having a routine. Very, very important. And these are the things I believe that have kept me going for... You know, nearly 28 years. I was going to ask, um, have you had any training in psychotherapy or something of that ilk before writing the book? In page 94, you talk about viewpoints and having different mindsets of looking at things in order to achieve goals and stuff, but making sure that you deal with them one step at a time, like there's a viewpoint from a child's point of view and another from an adult's point of view, but making sure those two perspectives aren't aren't merged because that can have negative feedback on the person. Uh, Where does all this come from? How do you think it through? Well, I can tell you that I don't have any uh, psychology training whatsoever. Okay. I can tell you exactly where that comes from. Mm. Basically, as a writer, there's no right or wrong way to write. But the way that I write, I, I call it the spew technique. Okay. So literally, I throw it down, everything down, spelling mistakes, crazy stuff. Uh, it all goes down. Um, but I do that from the mindset of, a child, if you like, so exploratory. I don't let the adult part of me, the critical part of me, come in. When I've actually got my main manuscript together, then, if you like, the adult side comes in. That's the editor who looks back on the work that, if you like, the child part of me did. So mm. one, this is a very good piece of advice to give to anybody that's writing. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, get it down, just throw it down. doesn't matter how crazy it sounds. 90% of it might be rubbish, mm. but 10% of it's going to be awesome. worth something. <laughs> but when that critical part of you, if you're like the editor, comes in, that's when you clean it up. But when those two mindsets are together, if you're writing something and you've got that negative voice in your back of your head going, that's awful, that's spelled incorrectly, your grammar's wrong, it's, very, it's impossible to write. So that's basically where that concept came from. Mm. It's something I've learned from writing. Yes, yeah. But it also works. I think it can make you so much stronger as a person in terms of advice you're giving. You know, I do look forward to your goals and, and get excited from a child's point of view, but, but then assess where you're coming from from the adult's point of view, but without being too unkind to yourself. And I think that's very important Absolutely. to, to nurture yourself and, and give yourself... I mean, I, as I was saying to my partner, this book seems to be one big cuddle to everyone dealing with a positive <laughs> Status. And I think that's wonderful. I think it that's should be a really celebrated. Nice way of it. Thank <laughs> you. I think it's a fantastic book, and um, congratulations on on it. Uh, it presumably, Thank it's you. available. Is it available in shops or just online? 
You can order it from shops, but you're better off ordering it from Amazon. You'll get it quicker. It's a bit cheaper, probably, as well. well. (laughs) Finally, Paul, uh, we usually have a a sort of music choice that we call Desert Island Risks, uh, Mm -hmm. where you get a chance to choose a track. Was there anything over the years that might uh, define something important to you or the change over the years? Absolutely. I'm still standing out in job. Okay, that was very definitive there. <laughs> I love it. Paul Thorne, thank you so much. Thanks, Nick. You can never know what it's like. Your blood like winter freezes just like ice. And there's a cold and lonely light that shines from you. You wind up like the wreck you hide behind that mask you Look at me, I'm coming back again I got a taste of love in a simple way And if you need to know while I'm still standing You just fade away Don't you know I'm still standing Better than I ever did Looking like a true survivor Feeling like a little kid And I'm still standing After all this time Picking up the Yeah.